Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, January 29th, and we are recapping some of the big IPOs from 2020. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined by Fool.com's really recent routine reviewer of retrospective reflection, Brian Feroldi. Brian, how you doing? Dylan, another week, another look back at the IPOs of 2020. How exciting. I love it. You know, it's it's like past us was like, hey, guys, here's an idea for an episode. <laughs> you know, it's it's nice when your past, future, and present versions of yourselves come together in a way that that's helpful and not harmful, because sometimes you really feel like you can put yourself behind the eight ball. <laughs> and as we talked about, there were some companies that we just couldn't get to last week from a time perspective. So I'm glad we get to add them to this week's show. Yeah, that's right. So today we're going to be talking about Big Commerce, uh, JFrog, and then we're also going to be talking about Zoom Info, which uh, I think we at one time referred to as the other, other Zoom, because there were so many at that point. It was Zoom Euphoria. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about Big Commerce. And this might be a name that is familiar to folks, Ryan, who have been following a longtime Fool favorite, and that's Shopify. This is the number two player right behind Shopify, and uh, it's it, so it's in the exact same space. They're just an order of magnitude uh, smaller uh, than, than Shopify is. So the interesting thing about big commerce is when we did the S1, this company came public and priced their stock at $24. Immediately, it was apparent that the bankers screwed that number up because the opening price for this stock was 60 Eight on the very first day of training. That was the absolute rock bottom price that normal investors like us could have gotten in on. And even buying then seemed to be a good deal because the company is currently at 93. So this company left a lot of money on the table. Yeah, I think there are a lot of executive teams that would say, you know, we like to see a small pop on the first day because it shows that people are excited to buy shares. And yeah, we left some money on the table, but that's okay. Uh, that's a lot of money left on the table. <laughs> It really is, and they definitely could have used that money because they are still uh, losing money as we as we're going to get into. But uh, just a quick reminder: so this is a uh, software as a service platform that makes it easy for uh, small and even enterprise level businesses to uh, sell their products uh, online. So you can use Big Commerce's uh, platform to create a website. You can connect it to uh, online marketplaces like uh, eBay, Amazon. Uh, they have direct connections with uh, social networks like Facebook and uh, Instagram. And it also connects with point-of-sale systems like uh, Square, uh, Clover, and Venn. So if you are a, a company of any size and you want to do business online, just like Shopify, uh, Big Commerce lets you do uh, just, just that in an easy way. And this company's business is similar to Shopify, but its business model is slightly different. When we dug into the numbers uh, on day one, they generate revenue in two ways. First off is through subscription revenue, which at the time of IPO was about 71% of the total. And that's just platform subscription fees and recurring professional service fees, uh, sales of like uh, online uh, SSL certificate, certificates, uh, et cetera. They also have partner in service revenue, which is they have these revenue sharing arrangements uh, with some of their clients. They can help with marketing and promotion. And they also have non-recurring um non-recurring uh, re revenue opportunities with like education, uh, with uh, with launching, uh, with products, uh, and things like that. So a very similar business model, but slightly different. 
Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people's ears perk up when they hear <laughs> operates in the same space as Shopify, right? I mean, what a monster stock that has been for so many folks. I am fortunate enough to have been a shareholder on that one myself. I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of our members are. Um, the growth rates and the story a little bit different. You know, big commerce, a lot smaller, and I don't think quite putting up the same growth that we were seeing from Shopify at similar revenue levels. I wouldn't call this the Pepsi to Shopify's Coke. This is more of the RC Cola to uh, to uh, to Shopify's Coke. But uh, in the most recent uh, quarter and since they came public, they've actually done a, a pretty good job. Obviously, COVID was a massive tailwind for them, just like it was for uh, for Shopify. So uh, they have reported earnings twice uh, since coming public. Uh, both of them, they beat uh, beat expectations. Uh, that's always a good thing to see for uh, for any company. Uh, in the most recent quarter, um, the CEO called it "quote unquote" the best quarter in ecom uh, big commerce's uh, history. Revenue grew forty one percent to almost forty million dollars. That was an acceleration from thirty three percent growth rate in the prior quarter. Quarter. Of that total, subscription revenue was two thirds. Partner and service revenue was uh, was uh, was one third, and the company's gross margin actually expanded quite a bit. It's now at seventy eight point three percent. That's up from seventy six point two percent in the year ago period. Still losing money on a gap and non-gap basis, but the losses are very manageable, uh, $8 million. That was down year over year, and they have plenty of cash on the balance sheet. So overall, a pretty good quarter. Yeah, this this could be one of those businesses that sees a step change in what their financials look like as a result of COVID and really everything being pushed to digital. We'll obviously have to wait a couple quarters and see whether or not that plays out. But you know, the the idea that revenue is accelerating, almost never a bad thing, Brian. Exactly. And this company is actively trying to swim upstream and, upstream and target more enterprise level customers. Uh, prior to the quarter end, they actually announced that they signed a partnership deal with um, uh, EPUM Systems, uh, which to help them target uh, larger and larger clients. I really like that move because EPUM has relationships with lots of big companies. And if EPUM is uh, a partner that says, hey, you should give big commerce a, co- a try, uh, that could be a revenue accelerator for this company. Yeah, it's it's always nice to have that social proof, right? <laughs> seeing seeing folks that are quite good at what they do, uh, trusting businesses that you are still waiting to see where they land in the landscape. Totally. So while it's definitely not growing as fast as uh, as as Shopify, uh, a pretty good start for this new this new company. Yeah, and in an industry in a space where you can see growth accelerate quickly, um, and you know, I, I think if they can prove out that they are not such a distant second to Shopify in terms of what they offer, and that's hard. That's a really hard thing to do because Shopify has so solidly nailed what they offer customers. Um, but that market's big, and there are a lot of people that can play in it. So you know, if they're able to capture a decent amount of it, there's a big business there. Um, I would just, for my money. Put it on Shopify personally. <laughs> I, I I agree with you there. And again, let's, let's also back up in history and say Amazon said we can't compete against Shopify. <laughs> so that big commerce is holding any uh, doing this well uh, really speaks volumes. So e-commerce is a fairly descriptive name. Does or, or big commerce I should say is a pretty good descriptive name um, as, as I just flubbed it. Um, our second name, Brian JFrog, not as helpful really when it comes to telling you uh, what the company does. 
yeah, not not the best uh, name, but <laughs> hey, it's also uh, it's also done okay uh, for itself. So this is another company that uh, underpriced its IPO uh, when they came public. They priced it forty four dollars. The opening price on day one uh, was seventy one. So uh, pop, uh, not a hundred percent pop, but still they left some money on the table. Uh, as of right now, it's time for this recording. It's been about flat uh, since it came public. But uh, as a reminder, this is a software as a service company that's focused on quote unquote continuous. Software Release Management, or CSRM. Essentially, it's a platform that allows for the continual push-out of software releases, and it's designed to make that process uh, seamless uh, and easy. I think many people are just kind of used to their phones automatically updating overnight, and the most recent uh, uh, stable and secure version of the software uh, being available to them them at all times. That is what JFrog enables. So they call it a universal package repository. And essentially, if you are a software company that wants to make sure that your users are always up to date, JFrog helps you do it. In some ways, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Twilio, Brian. It's, It's a business where people that are really in the weeds probably appreciate this in a very profound way. And uh, people who are not maybe have a hard time grasping how important and how helpful what they offer really is. I think that that's probably a fair fair point. Uh, really nailing down the technical aspects of this technology is a little bit uh, tricky when it comes to things like that. I always like to say, this sounds great. Prove it with the numbers. <laughs> and we do have some more numbers to look at. In the first companies, the company's first earnings report as a public company, uh, revenue grew 40% uh, to just about $39 million. That is 91% SaaS-based. They do have a little bit that is still a licensing-based, but pretty strong overall. As a SaaS company, really great gross margins, 82.5%. On a gap basis, they are spending aggressively, especially on stock-based compensation. So they are reporting gap losses. However, they are reporting non-gap profits. And uh, so they actually reported a non-gap profit of five cents per share. The market was expecting break-even, and those profits are real because they're generating free cash flow as well. So another company that had a really good start with its first earnings report. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned it's flat. Right now, we're seeing it just under $6.5 billion valuation. So if you're just trying to stack exactly what that growth, what that margin profile and everything turns into in terms of a market valuation, um, there you have it, which you know, for, for a SaaS company uh, with some of the growth rates that we've seen and the margin profile, that's, that's a pretty interesting valuation. You know, There's a lot of room to grow from there if they're able to keep this up. Totally. And uh, the company has, I think, th- there's a lot to like about this business when you look in. Uh, their dollar bait and retention rate was 136%. So clearly, they're doing a good job of getting more revenue out of their existing uh, customer base. It's hard to peg just how big of an opportunity this is. Management obviously sees uh, billions of dollars in sales potential. I don't know if I necessarily buy that, but hey, a great good a great early start. <laughs> Management always sees billions of dollars in total addressable market, doesn't it? <laughs> and they might be right. They certainly know this market better than me. It's something I have to dig in and learn more about. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day where a, a management team's like, we see about a hundred million dollars in, in in total addressable market. I feel like, oh boy, the realist was in there, huh? Uh, like, yep, that's it. We're done growing. This is the pinnacle right now. <laughs> Um, third company that we're going to quickly recap is Zoom Info, or the other other Zoom, as as some may call it. Um, 
similar uh, to some of the other ones. This is a company that left money on the table, priced at $21 in June. And retail investors like you and me probably got in somewhere in the low 30s if they were buying early, Brian. Um, Ycharts has them up about 45% since their IPO, which is a pretty solid start. Um, for people unfamiliar, think of it as a way to get in touch with the people that you are trying to get in touch with, particularly if you are a salesperson. Uh, the company's mission is to unlock actionable business information and insights to make organizations more successful. You can think of it all as a SaaS platform that helps sales professionals and marketers uh, reach the decision makers they are trying to reach. And Brian, you in a past life worked in sales. So, you know, I think you firsthand can appreciate the value of a software provider like this. Yes. Companies have a bazillion barriers between the salesperson and the actual decision maker. And ZoomInfo's whole business is basically saying, we help you break down that barrier and reach the person that actually makes the decisions. And it's pretty clear from their numbers that they're good at what they're uh, doing and that customers are buying it. Yeah. Basically getting a detailed look at organizations so that people know who to be reaching out to. Uh, they call it a 360 degree view. They basically say the platform helps you get the right person to the the right message to the right person at the right time. And ideally, if you're looking at the business side of that, shortening up your sales cycles, increasing your win rates, and helping salespeople hit their numbers. And I think what really stood out to me is, you know, Brian, there, there's so much information out there. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing what you can publicly grasp, right? Uh, between LinkedIn and and so many of the other uh, professional networks and just presences that, that companies and individuals have. But ZoomInfo says that at least 95% of the employment information they access or their customers access will be current, which is pretty darn impressive. That really is. And you can see how value that would be if you were trying to sell something and you could get directly to the CTO of a company. Wouldn't you be willing to pay for that direct access? I mean, it's clear that companies are. Yeah. And, and so far, it has been a pretty good performer, both as a stock and as a business. Um, what we have seen is this being a business that is in that up into the right phase with revenue growth. Um, you just go back a couple quarters, and they were posting triple digit year over year revenue growth. That is slowed, as it often does, because the denominator starts getting bigger. But they're still putting up pretty big numbers. Uh, the two most recent quarters, 62% year over year growth and 56% year over year growth. And they are solidly over 100 million dollars in quarterly revenue for the past three quarters. Um, obviously, the, the gaudy growth rates, Brian, are not going to stick around forever. Uh, but I think if they are sticking somewhere in the 40% range, 30% range over the next couple of years, people are going to be pretty excited. And investors recently were quite excited because management wound up raising their full year guidance, which is probably a big reason why we see the performance that we have since it's gone public. And that is one thing that we called out when we talked about this show is one of their taglines is hit the numbers. In other words, <laughs> if you partner with Zoom Info, you will help they help you to hit hit your sales numbers. If this company had struggled to hit its own sales numbers, uh, Wall Street would like would be like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> it's like going to a barber that has a bad haircut, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that. Um, I, I think looking at this business, um, there's a lot to like. I mean, the the growth is pretty strong. Uh, the gross margins very similar to JFrog, uh, low eighty percent range for the past couple quarters. Um, it is richly valued. Uh, a big part of that is because of their margin profile and the growth rates. One thing that I realized looking back on some of our notes, Brian, that we didn't spend a lot of time talking about was their net retention rate. 
Um, and this being primarily a subscription business, about 99% of their revenue coming from the subscription side. Um, you go back to fiscal year 2018, their net retention rate for customers was 102%. Fiscal 2019, 109%. We're seeing it climb. My hunch is it's going to continue to get bigger um, as the business figures more out. I think this is a company that went public at a very intentional point in time when they started to see a lot of the numbers coming together for them. Um, but this is going to be a huge part of the story going forward. And I think it's probably one of the numbers that we're going to get an update on when we get their full year numbers in February. This is a number that's important for any SaaS company. So yeah, the numbers that they put up uh, last year and the year before are not that impressive, especially when compared to other companies that are in the 120, 130% uh, range. But uh, you're right. If this number grows over time because the service gets uh, more more useful and the data gets more accurate and they just uh, eliminate people that are, are just high churn customers, uh, that will be something that definitely the market takes notice of. Yeah, and we talk about those big growth rates that they'd put up, uh, you know, over the last couple quarters and over the last couple of years, and you realize with those net retention rates, what it means is they're acquiring a ton of customers, and that's not a bad thing. But ultimately, particularly as you start to reach really big scale, you want those customers to stick around and start spending more money with you. You don't want to have to go out there and keep bringing new people on. I mean, one, it's it's exhausting, but also it's it's much more expensive to go out and acquire customers than to keep them. And it's also worth uh, pointing out that you have to keep in mind what type of uh Customers, uh, these companies are are targeting. So in uh, in um, Zoom Info's cases, they do know that their dollar based net retention rate for enterprise level customers is actually really strong, 127 percent last year. What that means is that they are picking up a lot of small customers, and small small businesses uh, have much higher churn rates. That's why when you take a look at a company like HubSpot, uh, its its dollar based net retention rate is never or very close to basically 100 percent in absolute terms, that sounds terrible. But once you dig in and realize, well, they service small businesses, uh, that makes sense. So you always have to keep that in mind when you're looking at that number. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I think more so with this company than with maybe the, the previous ones, um, the growth is a big part of the valuation right now. I mean, we're, we're looking at about $20 billion business, Brian. And you know that puts them somewhere in the 40-ish times sales. Uh, when you're priced that way, the expectation is that the growth continues. You know, and so uh, it's great that they're getting that on the enterprise side. I'd like to see it a little bit more with some of their their smaller customers as well. But this obviously is a business that hasn't had any trouble attracting new customers because that's where a lot of the growth's been coming from. Totally. So hopefully they can keep that up. But Dylan, now that we've done these review, Big Commerce, uh, JFrog, and uh, Zoom Info, are any of these retickled your interest, or which one of these is at the top of your list? You know, I think if I was going to rank order them. I think I would probably go JFrog, Zoom Info, and then Big Commerce. I, th- I think that's my ranking, but I I reserve the right to revisit that. Brian, what about you? Uh, mine would be pretty similar. I think I would put Zoom Info uh, slightly uh, above that because uh, I'm pretty impressed with the numbers that we're seeing uh, the, thus far. But I think that JFrog is a pretty solid company uh, top to bottom. And I do like that they've already reached prof- profitability and that they're going to continue growing. I totally agree that um, Big Commerce is number three here. I just think that the the valuation is really high and their growth rate is really expected to slow. And I I already own plenty of, of Shopify, so I'm not really interested <laughs> in buying uh, a player like that. But the other two, JFrog and uh, Zoom Info, I'm definitely interested in. Yeah, I think the, the selling point for me and really what 
what puts JFrog uh, above the other two is that net dollar retention rate. That's a really strong number at 136%. And, you know, it's it's a $6 billion business. You know, it's it's easy to see a business that size getting a lot bigger. I think ZoomInfo has a little bit more to live up to um, to sustain the valuation it has and really grow. But, hey, you know, we talk about it all the time, Brian. You don't have to pick just one. That's right. You can invest in <laughs> one, two, or all three of these if you, if you like to. And there are reasons to do just that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there you have it, folks. We, we, we checked in. We, we promised we checked in. We checked in uh, on another three stocks. Um, 2020 was just a banner year uh, for, for IPOs in general, as evidenced by the first day pops <laughs> for a lot of these businesses. There's a lot of interest in it. Brian, I think we still have a couple names that we have to revisit at some point, and we will soon. But of course, if people have any new names that they want us to tackle, they can always write into the show. Well, don't, forget, don't forget, we did a whole bunch of Wednesday, Wildcard Wednesday episodes <laughs> together where we talked about lots of healthcare stocks. So these are just the Friday tech stocks that we've caught up on. That's right. I mean, there, there's a good RX show in there that we need to, to revisit. Uh, I think we got a question about that from a listener recently, and there are plenty more to come. So we'll be doing these, and it's fun. You know, it's, it's kind of nice to, to look back and uh, do the short version of those extended S1 shows because we can get a little long winded sometimes, Brian. And the other nice thing is now these companies actually have a track record that we can look on. And you just learn so much about a company when you see its first and second earnings reports. How are they reacting to being public? That is a culture changer uh, for a company. So it is nice to actually have data to look at. Brian, as always, thanks for joining me on today's show. Had fun doing this one, and I'm going to have fun doing all the future ones too. Sounds good, Dylan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions, you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for all his work behind the glass today, and thank you for listening. Until next time, fool on. Fool on.